The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State athletics. This is Wildcat Insider with the voice of the Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson, and KMAN Sports Director, Mitch Fortner. Well, last week wasn't a great week. And for the first time in the Coach Tang era, experiencing a losing streak. As the Cats fall on Tuesday night to the Kansas Jayhawks, 90-78. Meanwhile, the Cats on Saturday lose at home to Texas, their first home loss of the year, now 12-1, 69-66, and a comeback win for the Longhorns, who are down 11 at the half. Welcome to Wildcat Insider. I am Mitch Fortner with the Hall of Fame voice of the Kansas State Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson. We do have a busy show because later on in the second hour, we're going to catch up with K-State Athletics Director Gene Taylor. Brett Yormark was in town. we got to ask the AD about the commission, having him in town and speaking to donors in the new facility, the indoor facility, the ribbon cutting taking place, and also another top 10 team was in town. Uh, also, we'll, of course, tackle the new K-State football schedule, get Wyatt's thoughts on that. We'll preview the TCU Horn Frogs are in town tomorrow for a rematch of a loss for K-State that was down in Fort Worth. But Wyatt, let's uh, let's take these first couple of moments here on the show just a recap of what's taking place recently. And it's something that we were, uh, we were too used to winning, I think. We were just too used to kicking some butt, winning Big 12 games, home or on the road, including beating KU, including beating Texas and then drop both of those games. I was in Lawrence as a member of the media for the first time in a, in a for a basketball game. Got a little bit of heckling as I walked in with my K-State book bag. I call it a book bag, like I'm still in high school, uh, with my backpack, as I usually do for uh, public address announcing, have all my gear in there. But uh, the place was packed. A bunch of K-State people were there, too. I noticed there was a really good showing of K-State fans in the Allen Fieldhouse, Nobody was happy about the officiating when he had 47 foul calls, but that was one. You know, maybe it was a couple of runs for Kansas that really decided it. You can't downgrade the fight K State had, but a couple of runs were a deciding factor in losing by 12. For me personally, the run that was the most significant was the KU 13 to 3 run late in the first half. I thought through the first three media timeouts. K-State was right there. They weren't necessarily, even at that point, playing perfect basketball by any stretch, but they were within three or four. They were competing. Things were going okay. And that's what happens there from time to time. You make a mistake or two, you get a run out and a dunk at the other end, and then KU in that same stretch really started to warm up from three. If you remember back to that game last Tuesday night, they had eight threes in the first half. That was a big part of that run towards the end. And so you go in at halftime down 12, 49-37. I thought K-State's fight in the second half was better. They took better care of the basketball. But again, fighting that hill in that facility is most difficult. The other factor of the game where I think you have to give Kansas some credit is that they had gotten very, very, very little from their bench leading up to that game for several games. And when you look at their bench in this one, and this isn't going to be hugely impressive until you start adding it up. Because they were there were a couple of games there where they were getting three, four, five points from their bench in total. But on this night, Uday gets three, Yesifu five, Pettiford six, Zach Clemens five. 
that's pretty significant when you still get 20 from Jalen Wilson. Dewan Harris was a key with 18. He hadn't been scoring either. And 16 for Kevin McCullough, just too much to overcome. If KU's bench had had an average day, Mm -hmm. and when I mean average, I'll bring up the statistics. I've been doing it the last three or four weeks because K-State's been playing them, and I thought it was a pretty, pretty big key, and it's something we're not used to with Kansas is that their bench isn't very productive in scoring. They have, Entering that game last Tuesday, KU had the sixth worst scoring bench in the entire country. Mm-hmm. We're talking over 350 teams. Yeah. And their sixth worst? They don't have Sharon Collins coming off that bench. I say that all the time because, <laughs> you know, Sharon Collins used to be the sixth man of the year in this conference. But they were averaging less than nine points a game in Big 12 play. Holding them to an average day on the bench, you're talking about a whole different game. Why? you're right. I was pulling my hair out when I see Uday scoring. Joseph Yesufu's not a great shooter, and he wasn't on uh, last Tuesday. He was one of seven, but he hit a three-pointer at a crucial time. I was like, of course. You know, where K-State has such a good team that they can definitely go into Allen Fieldhouse and beat a team, this kind of KU team, and then the bench is scoring. I, yeah, I was... I was like, of course, that's going to happen on a day like today. Yeah. I guess I'll have a final thought here on the KU game from this standpoint. I didn't think, compared to the game in Manhattan as an example, that the officials let them be a little bit physical. And in this particular game, because of that, K-State shoots 36 free throws and Kansas 35. To me, that's just my opinion. That's not great basketball. But give KU credit, they hit some shots, their bench was pretty good, they got enough from their frontline guys, and K-State's top two guys scored, but here's another key too, to be honest. Keontae Johnson to get 22 was just 7 of 19, Marquise Noel to get 23 was just 5 of 18. Probably not going to get it done with those kind of things on top of, you know, K-State had 13 turnovers, which is two more than they like to have goal-wise. But here's the problem with that. KU turned those 13 into 21 points. That was also a factor in that game. I think you transitioned well in the next game because I figured, thinking back to the last two, I, I think there were some common issues in the game, both on K-State's, way, uh, K-State's issues and what they did wrong, things that didn't go well, what the opponent was doing well to counter K-State's mistakes and, and turn it into what they needed to do to be productive. And maybe if you want to throw out the officiating as well, uh, you know, 47 free throws was not the total between K-State and Texas, and it was a three-point loss at home. K-State loses at home for the first time. I think people are getting frustrated with the way that game was being called. I think it was kind of the opposite, though. Uh, you saw a lot of physicality, but it wasn't a lot of whistles. They were maybe letting a lot go mm-hmm. in those 40 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's perfectly said. Uh, To give you an example, if you go back and listen to Coach Tang in the radio postgame show, he is about as perfectly subtle as taking a little bit of a knock at the officiating as you can possibly do without really not saying, I was not happy with that. And, And here's the reason why, simply stated, end of story. Your star guy gets two fouls in the first two minutes of the game, I'm sorry, that shouldn't shouldn't be. I, I thought the second call against him was really poor, and now you have to deal with that, and the guy plays less than 25 minutes, and this is a 34-minute-a-game guy. Hugely significant. Here's the, the upside, and it was a weird game from this perspective. I thought K-State played a terrific first half. 
Yes. I'd like to have the last 20 or 30 seconds back, but the first half they were really good. I mean, they were up 14 at one point. They were clicking. They were defending. They were rebounding. And then in the second half, it was just like it flipped, where Texas was the one with the energy. They were the ones with the one-two flying on the floor. And Coach Tang even said this. They were better. They were tougher. And they were more physical than Kansas State in the second half. And I think that's why he said, I don't want to wash this one away. I don't. I want this one to sting for the guys a little bit. We, we can't do this. We've got to be better. I don't want to be out toughed at home ever. I'm paraphrasing some of the stuff he said there, but that, that's, you get the idea. Texas was the more physical and tougher team in the second half, and that's just the reality of it. I'll play you the clip right now. Not what you were just speaking about, about not washing the game away. They want yep. this one to sting for 48 hours and don't want to disappoint the home crowd again with a comeback, allowing a comeback win for Texas to take place. But Coach Tang, after the game, did comment on the rough start in the second half. We talked about coming out and owning the paint again because, I mean, in the first half it was, I think, 14-8. to eight. In the second half it, it was flipped the other way. I think it was like 22 to whatever, 6. They killed us in the paint. That, that, that was the difference in the ball game. The points off of turnovers and, you know, the points in the paint. And we didn't set the tone of the game. We let them set the tone of the second half. Yeah, K-State outscored Texas in the first half by 11. Texas wins the second half by 14. Mm-hmm. Well, you have your three-point deficit or three-point difference right there. But mentioning the points in the paint, and I think you can mention one guy that really started to take things over because he didn't score in the first half. Christian Bishop off the bench in Texas, their bench with Jabari Rice, very effective in the second half as well. But it felt like K-State just didn't have somebody that could match the physicality and play the defense they should have against Christian Bishop, who went on to score 14 points. Both of those guys really hurt K-State, especially in the second half. And you mentioned Bishop, all of those 14 points were in the second half. And I thought he did a really, really good job. I mean, you <laughs> you look at his numbers, he was 6 of 11, also had 6 rebounds. But I'm just going to be blunt here. It's one thing to give Serge Barry Rice 14 points. If he gets 10 rebounds, you're not rebounding well enough. You're just not. There's no way he should get 10 rebounds in this game in that building from Saturday. Well, and Christian Bishop had five offensive rebounds. Right. That's the K-State has had a very, very fine season. But when they struggle, is and it happened in Ames too, where how many second-chance points did Iowa State have that night? You know what I'm saying? I mean, those are the kind of games – even all the way back to Butler back in December, they got hurt in second-chance points in that game, too. They've got to find a, a way to be better on both ends rebounding and defensively, but the defensive rebounding for sure. That, that's been something, and, and I know a lot of people have been asking about you know the start of second halves here lately, and that is probably something I'm sure Coach Tang is looking at, too. Well, you could make the comparison if you go back to the Florida game. K-State did not come out of the locker room very well and play good against Florida. Yeah. Now they are able But the to... difference was is they build it right back up right. over over a period of time after giving it up. In this game though, Texas makes their run game on. There was no building it back, so to speak. That it was a it was a tight tense game the rest of the way. The big area I really have to focus on, like, I can't take my mind away away from it because when you do these things, these particular things on the road, it's just how you can really let a road crowd get into it. If you do things, these things at home, 
you can really take your home crowd out of it, turning over the basketball. Mm-hmm. And in these last two games, you've seen K-State go on a four- or five-minute stretch where it got really sloppy. Against Kansas, that's when you mentioned it. KU went on that run at the end of the first half, and K-State was turning it over, and Marquise Noel had, what do you have, five turnovers in the first half. In the second half against Texas, K-State comes out in the first five minutes, and they you know come out of the locker room up 11, and in five minutes it's down to one, and K-State in that stretch had five turnovers mm-hmm. in that stretch. Yeah. Things have snowballed in a very sloppy way in those runs, which have been a huge difference in games. I think K-State really is a pretty darn good basketball team when they're moving the ball. If you think about their best segments of basketball this year on the offensive side, they're either scoring in transition or in the half court. They're moving it very quickly. Spot to spot, side to side, paint touches, stepping into threes, those types of things. This was too much of just one guy handling the ball for too long, too often, and not enough movement and cutting and screening from my perspective in the second half. Well, things change. Like, I'll get your opinion on this, but like when Keontae Johnson, such a talented player, and I don't think he's the fastest player and, you know, doesn't jump the highest. Notice, like, when he takes his jump shots, he doesn't jump very far off the floor. When he gets the ball, though, he can be dangerous. And defenses have to figure out timing. When should we double team? When should we not? Should we let him make the mistake and just go to it? Or do we have to start forcing them? But things really slow down when Keontae has the basketball. And it makes me, I'm not the biggest expert, no doubt about it, in basketball, but it does feel like in those kind of X's and O's, probably something has to change. Yeah. You know, it's an interesting thought because in, in the ball game Saturday, different from a lot of games from my perspective, Marquise was struggling. He was struggling passing the ball. He was struggling shooting the ball and scoring the ball. And I think this, this is just my personal feel, and that's it. No more, no more, no less. I think players like Keontae who want to lead then try to maybe do too much. And that's what I said what I said before, because if you go back and watch in games where K-State is playing really good offense, when he is doubled, he's making a pass to a cutter uh, for a little floater in the lane, or he picks, pitches it out to Cam Carter or somebody for a three. We didn't see enough of that Saturday. And then on top of that, in this game, I thought K-State was, I hate to use the word careless, but, but I, it, it was a little bit that way where they'd clear the ball, try to get in transition, and weren't really a very good passing team there and turned it over too many times when they actually either didn't have numbers and then when there were a few times, I mean, there was a couple times where they had, you know, three on two and turned the ball over. It's just hard to, hard to win even at home when you do that. You just got to be better. They just weren't, the, <laughs> I hate to say this, but they just weren't like they normally are in the second half Saturday. Well, Marquis Noel was certainly aware of his mistakes and what it cost them down the stretch in the final five minutes of the K-State-Texas game. And when we come back, I wanted to start to do this a little bit more because I think Marquise Noel is great with his words, painting his side of the picture of what took place, and along with Keontae Johnson, they spoke to the media after the game. Marquise Noel on multiple occasions said this game was on him, and we'll hear that coming up next.
It's Wildcat Insider on News Radio KMAN. Mitch Fortner and the voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson. Travion Berklin is with us today across the glass running in the show. And our phone number is 785-537-1350. If, uh, if you want to call in and give us your thoughts on the Cats, we'll touch on a little bit about the uh, football schedule coming up in a few moments. Athletics Director of K-State, Gene Taylor, joins us at roughly 520. I want to get into this audio post game of Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson. Marquise Noel... Uh, against Texas was 4 of 11 from the 4, 0 of 5 from three-point range, just couldn't hit the long three on Saturday, finished with 10.6 rebounds, three assists, and also six turnovers. And then uh, for Keontae Johnson, finished 6 of 10 from the floor, 16 points, three rebounds. And, you know, Coach Tang mentioned, I'll bring this up to you again, Wyatt, that uh, after the game, that, you know, what one thing that took away from K-State's game plan that you may have not noticed with Keontae's foul trouble was rebounding. Because you brought up, I think, was was it Jabari Rice? Sir Jabari Rice? He had 10. You know, maybe a big factor there is you don't have Keontae Johnson on the floor during times and during stretches, and he's not there to rebound. Because go back to the KU game, had, before Saturday, he had, what, four straight double-doubles? Yes. He'd been a rebounding machine for K-State. Yeah, and I've even got on my chart. I can I can pull it up here and be totally accurate with it. He had had four straight double-doubles. He's had six double-doubles on the year. But think about this, too. There have been, what, five other games, five, where he has had nine rebounds. Yeah. So so think about how close he is to having 12 or 13 double-doubles. That's crazy. So, yes, for him to only play 24 and a half, 25 minutes, whew, that was a big knock in the nose. Goes back to the J- Jalen Wilson argument, who's you know up for Player of the Year, National Player of the Year. He's been talked about, but you know really he what his best play when it comes to Big Twelve and the numbers is points and, and rebounds. Oh yeah, uh, you know. But Keontae Johnson is kind of just kind of silently behind him when it comes to those departments because he's also rebounding a ton. I think he's the second best rebounder is Keontae Johnson in the Big 12, and his points are just a couple behind Jalen Wilson. You're saying in Big 12 play. I think both, actually, games. overall yeah. and Big 12 play. Well, and I know for a fact that's the case in Big 12 play. Yeah, I'd have to look at the other. But he, well, I can tell you, on the season, Keontae is averaging 7.7 rebounds a game. If you equate it out just in Big 12 plays, 8.3, that's one of the better marks in the league. Let's hear from Keontae Johnson and Marquise Noel after the Texas loss. Marquise, is there a point in the second half where a collective thought is you guys are getting rushed too much at any point? That's not a thought, but I felt like at at point in times uh, during the second half, we did get rushed, uh, which led to turnovers and fast break points for them. Also, in the second half, I feel like they came out and were the tougher team. Uh, They got a lot of second chance points and offensive rebounds, which led them to have, you know, momentum and, you know, be able to come back and win. Marquise, when Keontae gets those fouls and is out of the first half, I think he only played five minutes in the first half, how does that change the offense? I mean, he's he's a he's our go-to player. It changes a lot when he gets you know two or three quick fouls. Um, but we managed to you know fight through and continue to keep battling while he was out. Um, but yeah, those those two quick ones you know could could change the whole narrative of you know a half or the game. And then Keontae, Coach Tang talked about when you do pick up those fouls, kind of limit your ability to rebound and, and maybe even on the de- defensive end a little bit. Is that something you're conscious of, not trying to pick up that fourth and fifth foul? Yes, I mean, 
I did get in my head. Like when I had the early fouls, it was just I didn't want to over aggress, try to rebound, nick over the back or something. Just trying to limit myself from gaining fouls and just finding a way to stay on the floor. Marquise, when you think back to the way teams were defending you earlier in the Big 12 compared to how they're defending you now, can you describe how much different it is or the schemes that they're throwing at you? Uh, it's different. Uh, I got to adjust to what teams throw at me. Tonight, I wasn't really good. I turned the ball over way too much, which is, you know, something that I take pride in. Um, but in the first half of the season, they kind of let me catch the ball, you know, and let me, you know, do whatever I wanted to do. Now it's a little different with the second half of the season uh, because they, they're trying to deny me. They're trying to keep the ball out of my hands. I just got to watch film and find out ways to be aggressive um, but not hurt my team. I feel like tonight, you know, there was point in times where, where, you know, I was over dribbling or trying to make the home run play, and that kind of cost us. So I watch film and be better as a point guard and a leader um, so that, you know, this won't happen again. You talked about the turnovers there. You had six tonight. You had four or five against Kansas. What can you do to really improve that and start limiting those? Uh, make single plays. I feel like, you know, I try to make the home run a lot. Um, you know, team scout too, teams you know, really watch film. You know, when I was going into the paint tonight, um, they were stunting and staying. Um, and when I was throwing the ball, you know, it was it was costing us turnovers. So I just got to watch watch for stuff like that in the beginning of the game and see how teams want to play me. But I'm pretty sure I see that look, you know, for the rest of the season. How do you balance that? You want to have those great plays, but with that, sometimes turnovers and stuff like that. Time and place, you know, situation. Um, you know, it, it has to be there. Sometimes I try to thread the needle uh, with my passes. But like I said, I have to watch film and see how teams want to play me. Um, if they want to deny deny, you know, me the ball or if they want to stunt and stay, you know, there's always an answer. So like I said, these past three games, I've been turning the ball over a lot. Um, I watch these last three games, you know, in a row and figure out what I need to do to adjust. Hey, Marquise, I know the vibe has changed a little pre since pregame, but what was it like to, you know, have Jacob Pullen in the crowd tonight and hear from him pregame? I mean, it was love, man. We love when Jacob Pullen come back. You know, he's like he's like my big brother. You know, I, I've known him since, you know, last year and since I came to K-State. But the the knowledge and wisdom he gave us, you know, before the game, you know, it was pretty cool to see and just, you know, the fans just embracing him and, you know, showing him love is, is, is really good. We wanted to get the ball to Keontae, but they had switched, you know, which, which led, you know, Ismasu to be open. We got it to him, but it wasn't, you know, our best look that we, we went with, but it came down to my turnover. When I turned the ball over, you know, before that possession, um, my six turnovers was crucial today. I have to be better. So, Keontae, this isn't the first time you've had early foul trouble. Looking forward, what are some things you can do to avoid that? I guess really just limit myself from being in the, um, the play. Like when they cut, not trying to reach in at the last minute to get a foul, just let them go ahead and get the layup because me fouling out is helping them go on, other teams going to run or they – they try to make a they make a big run when I'm in foul trouble and stuff like that. So just trying to live in my um, aggressiveness early, I guess. For either one of you, this is your first two-game losing streak this season. How do you bounce back quickly against TCU, a team that beat you before? Um, just come to practice tomorrow, just learn from film. Uh, both games, uh, it was our mistake that we messed up on that we easily could fix. Um, good thing it wasn't like nothing 
serious. Like we bad defensive. We turned the ball over a lot, and they capitalized off of it. So it's just. Oh, cut it off early there. My bad. But that's Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson after the game. Couple of things. I, I wanted to play a lot of that. Big reason is because Marquise Noel took accountability, and he said said three different times, "This one's on me. I'm making way too many mistakes." He he he's very. He's it's clear to him that he has made too many mistakes recently. And he's got to do better, and I really appreciated that. Plus the breakdown in the last play, uh, which is something we haven't really touched on yet, where K-State was down three, less than 10 seconds to go. Coach Tain takes a timeout with like six left or something like that. And what was drawn up didn't didn't take place. Uh, the first option was not open. Second option because was Because of the switch. Because the switch was a yeah. really tough shot for, for Ish Masood. Yeah. And I don't blame them going to Ish, even though he was having a really rough night from the floor. I think just Texas executed defensively very well in that last play. I agree because I think most everybody listening would agree if Ish gets a pass and can step into the shot with his feet set, here lately he's going to be roughly 50% on threes. That was a much more difficult shot and off balance and hurried and thus not the world's best results. Um, but give Texas – you know some credit there for the switch on Keontae. They, I'm, I'm, I'm sure they were <laughs> thinking that they have to go through Keontae here, or at least we'll try to. And then, uh, so, so you switch that, and then you get the opportunity, albeit not a good one for for Ish. But back to what you were saying about, I, I think what I appreciate about both of those guys, but in this particular case, I'll point out Marquise. He kind of knows. And I'm proud of him for standing up and saying, hey, this one's on me. I didn't play up to my standards. I've got to be better. And you can tell that he knows what's happening. You know, they're denying him with bigger guys and being very physical with him and trying to keep the ball out of his hands. And I remember one time asking Bob Huggins about, you know, how do you slow this guy down? Well, the first thing you do is not let him have the ball. Right? I mean, it's pretty simple from that perspective. The game can be as complex as you want it to be. But if the guy's not touching the ball, he can't really hurt you very much. And K-State uh, has to probably be a little bit better when Marquise is maybe off the ball some um, and or is being denied like he is, you know, here, here lately. <laughs> it's just, just the truth. Well, K-State will be back at home action tomorrow night hosting TCU, who's now number 17 in the country. K-State dropped to 12. Mm-hmm. I mean, the AP is still respecting this team. They, they lost twice in conference play and just slipped. What was it? How many spots was it? Well, they went from 5 to 12 with the KU loss and then the Texas loss. Okay. They, they were fifth in, in well, two weeks. That's not actually right either. They they were fifth two weeks ago. Did they dropped to seven? Is that, then, then, then to seven and then to 11. That's right. Okay. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I, it, typically you're, you're on the chopping block to drop quite a bit if after you lose two games. But it helps when you're but, losing to teams that yeah. are in the top 10. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you lost in Allen Fieldhouse, you know, the hardest place yeah. to play in the country in yeah. Texas, who yeah. had been playing very well. They just beat Baylor at home. They, the way they, they finished that one, and I mean, Texas is a great team. To go one and one against them isn't too bad. No, and again, I think you look at this league race so far, you would have to say, whether you want to say it or not, you probably should admit it, that through the first half of the of the conference season, they have been the most consistent team. They just have. 
Will they do it for the remaining seven? I guess we'll find out because they've got some toughies coming. But oh, don't, they do. But don't we all? Well, Texas, after because they play now in Fieldhouse tonight. Correct. After tonight, I think they have four in a row against the, the bottom four in the conference. And then, I mean, watch out for Oklahoma State. I mean, sure. be careful about calling them a bottom four anymore. It's more like a top well, them, seven. Them and West Virginia both have, have awoken. Yeah, they're doing better. They're, yeah, they are. Uh, and then they have four in a row against teams in the top half, top 25. Yep. It gets really tough on Texas down the stretch, but it's tough on everybody down the stretch. It's just, <laughs> can you survive? Can your role players start stepping up and hitting some shots as well other than your, uh, your star players? Uh, we'll take a timeout. We'll jump to football when we come back. Go over the 2023 K-State football schedule after these words It's Wildcat Insider, Mitch Wyatt, Travion, John, joining us. What's up, John? Step up to the mic. Go ahead. Oh, I just wanted to surprise you. Oh, I mean, you just kind of threw me into the fire like a little pup right there. As you should <laughs> in radio, uh, you'll learn uh, that John Grove is here, uh, surveying what we do here on Wildcat Insider, and uh, I've learned this over the years, like especially with like the board. Like That's how you kind of get into the business sure like you got to work your way up right you start with the board work what travion is doing right now you're thrown into the fire sure i've learned many times you just got to learn on the fly you'll make mistakes will somebody yell at you probably depends who works here but maybe uh i promise i won't yell too much <laughs> uh but mistakes happen mistakes happen no big deal well you you, you know it's an interesting thing and, and welcome john it's good to have you here by the way and excited for you being interested in this kind of stuff. I I guess what I would say is, is it's been a lot of years since I was in the position you're talking about, being a board op and making, mm-hmm. you know, mistakes as you're learning and and like most everybody else when you start you don't really know much. So that leads to some mistakes, but I I think I have I think I'm comfortable in saying this over the years, the more you can do early, right? And get those mistakes kind of behind you, the better things are going to be. You know, it's funny. Yeah. Uh, Travion, has, he's a K State student as well, so sure. he has classes on Tuesday, so he's not able to to board up for us. So it'd either be Troy and, or uh, I jump in there and and do it. But I've been, you know, I, I ran the game for eight years mm-hmm. as a board up, and but like you know, when Keontae Johnson played his first game as a cat. Well, he hadn't played basketball in two years. Thought maybe he'd be a little bit rusty. Well, it looked pretty good. Yeah, he looked. I was a little rusty. I was not the Keontae Johnson of board hopping. <laughs> it took me a minute to get figure out what I got to do with my hands at a certain time. Plug in this, plug in that. It took a little repeti- repetition to get it. Well, if you're back in the compare, groove, if you're going to compare yourself to Keontae, you're 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 kind of going pretty high on the on the on the levels there. So, well, I would I would argue I'm the best board op in this building. Okay, well, I have no problem with that kind of. Um, Thought process either. You you, you got to be confident, right? Well, Travion's getting close though. He's doing he's doing uh, yeah. very good job. Good deal. Very good job with his work. Twenty twenty three K State football schedule is out. Why there's going to be a couple of newbies in there as conference opponents? Yeah, and it's interesting for me because when you look at this schedule, the conference schedule is going to start 
at home, which I think <laughs> yeah. everybody is excited about. But it's going to start at home against one of the new members in the University of Central Florida. So is it going to feel like a conference game after the three non-cons with Simo and Troy at home and at Mizzou? I don't know that we know that yet, but I, I think that will be an interesting little turn there when we get to that point. It's obvious that K-State has a 7-5 split home road and this year a 5-4 split in conference home road, which is a good thing. Uh, but but again, in the for the newbies, as I like to say, we're going to see Central Florida and Houston both at home. So none of the new teams are we going to experience on the road until 2024. That's not all bad, right? Yeah. I can't, I'll be honest. I kind of like the layout of the schedule. Not saying it's easy in any way, shape, or form because you've got road trips to Oklahoma State, Tech, Texas, and Kansas. But I like the schedule. I do. Well, and like Troy, I mean, Troy just won their conference last year. That's well, not a good football team. That's absolutely no yeah. pushover. Why? It depends who you ask about when conference schedule actually starts. Some may argue it starts on the road in Columbia on September 16th. Shout out to our friend Robert Lipson who probably make that argument. And shout out to the Big Eight. <laughs> but no, it, it officially starts against UCF, and I'm sure somebody yeah. are rejoicing uh, by that fact. Uh, to me, it doesn't really matter where the conference starts even though it has been very lopsided about home and road. Uh, but for those that have been begging for the conference to start at home once in a while, you'll get it this upcoming season against UCF. Now, I'll ask you a couple of things about the schedule here. The bye week mm-hmm. is between UCF and at Oklahoma State and also playing a game on a Friday. In Stillwater. In Stillwater. Yeah, so that coincides with that bye there. Uh, I'm not a real big fan of it, uh, honestly. I know a year ago, Coach Kleiman loved the schedule in terms of the buy part of it because it was right smack in the middle. It couldn't have been more better placed. This, I think he would probably tell you, is a little bit too early mm-hmm. because after the, after the bye week, you're grinding for eight straight weeks. That's, I mean, there are a lot of teams that do it and they'll survive it. But I would much rather have, in a perfect world, you play six, take a week off, play six more, right? I'd, I'd love to have it like that. Yeah, it, I mean, it would be amazing to get it right in the middle of the schedule again because yeah. that's in between two road games you play in a row, Yeah, Oklahoma State, and then don't sleep on Texas Tech, by the way. Oh, they're going to be really good. Don't sleep on them. They, they won eight, won a bowl game, and recruited really, really well. Yeah, and then you go to you host TCU. Right. I mean, that would be – the not you know, middle of the schedule also very ideal between two tough games. Yeah, that would be very nice. I feel like the home schedule is super winnable. Sweep the table. I think it can definitely be done. The road part of it is a little bit scary. Every About, K-State coach that's driving right now probably just wrecked because of what you just said. I'm sorry. I just <laughs> jinxed the whole schedule. Yeah, it's on I'm me, kid- guys. I'm, no, no, no. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But but I, I understand the thought. I get it, but but that is not how the coaches will look at this. They're, it's a you know win the day, win the week. We'll worry about Troy on September third. I, I worry about Troy every day, <laughs> just him getting his work done. But you know, oh, you're talking about yeah, bad joke. I get it. Um, sorry, coaches. I'll make sure to take this one week at a time. And once uh, Iowa State November 25th rolls around and get that win on on Senior Night, then I'll tell you. 
yeah, that road or that home uh, schedule uh, was really good. Was really good. Yeah, there you sure, go. that'll work. Uh, let's take a break. Why? When we come back, we'll we'll uh, look back at the last week in the Big Twelve and where the current standings are in men's college basketball, Big Twelve style. Up next. All right, Wyatt, let's look back at the last uh, week in the Big 12. Won't cover every game, obviously, but touch on a couple of interesting ones. And, I mean, we have to go back to Big Monday. But it wasn't – you know, the matchup didn't seem like a Big Monday matchup, did it? We're thinking Baylor-Texas, that's 10 versus 11, and Texas gets out of there by 5. No, the game of the night was Iowa State and Texas Tech because it looked like early on – Easy money for Iowa State. This one's over. And then enough tech. so yeah. at sixty-one to forty-one, I said yeah. to my lovely bride, "Well, no real reason to be watching this the rest of the way. Let's flip it back to Texas Baylor." <laughs> I wasn't even watching until somebody said, "Holy cow, Texas Tech is coming back." I'm like, "What?" And you know what I did? Down twenty, I I kind of avoided it for about fifteen minutes. And then when Texas Baylor went to a media timeout just for fun, I flipped it back there, and it was like a twelve-point game. And I'm going. And okay, they're getting – and then I flip back again, and it's just getting tighter, and the noose is getting tighter on Iowa State. And the next thing you know, Tech forces it to overtime and wins the game. 23-point lead they let get away with roughly eight and a half minutes to go. That's extraordinary. Yeah, That's it, unbelievable. It, it's a game where, like, you know, Caleb Grill's hitting his shots – but Gabe Kalsher couldn't buy a three. It's just Brick City yeah. for Gabe Kalsher, which isn't, you know, he was getting his twos, but that was really about it. And who else? I'm kind of blanking. Oh, uh, Oshuni'i. He did not have a great day. As a matter of fact, he was kind of missing the entire day. They didn't play him late because Trey yeah. King was playing well enough. Uh, that, I mean, that was a strange game, no doubt. Then. And we see, of course, Texas Tech this weekend. Tech at Baylor Saturday down four. They get beat 89 to 62. So they're having still some trouble. Well, that was on the road, though, for Tech. It was. Yeah, it yep. wasn't at home. Yep. If that yep. was at home, look out Baylor. Oh, yeah. Well, Baylor, well, don't, don't look now, but Baylor's won six of seven after starting yeah. off 0 3. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're playing exceptionally well. Yeah. 0 3. And guess who's back? Oh, yeah, I saw that. Uh, Jonathan Chamochachua. I was going to rattle off the name, yeah. but I was like, I got to quickly remind myself how to say it before I just spit it out. <laughs> Don't want to look like a fool. Jonathan Chamochachua. That's right. Actually, I'm going to miss that K-State Baylor game, so I'll be with baseball. That starts in 11 days. Isn't that crazy? Can you believe that? Yeah. Uh, also wanted to bring up, uh, also from last week in the Big 12, the, the KU-Iowa State game. Going back to the Cyclones, what a way to bounce back after being embarrassed uh, by Texas Tech. They beat Kansas Rather handily. I mean, that was a game they were in control in from pretty much the under-16 timeout in the first half, and they win 68-53. Yeah, KU in that first half didn't show up at all. Here's your trivia question of the day, and I don't have the answer. Okay. But I'm just throwing it out here just to, to give you the point of how KU struggled. Jalen Wilson had 26-9. and The next leading KU scorers had seven. Go find me the last time KU played a basketball game anywhere on the planet and had only one double-figure score. I would love to know that. And how many bench points did KU have? (laughs) One. 
Well, there you go. One bench point. Yep. That's it <clears throat> from Uday. Yeah. Yeah, it was – and Iowa State, again, say what you want. But after the crushing loss at Tech, they come back and beat KU at home. They are just a different team at home. They're probably – there's more separation home and road for them – than, than than any team in the league, I would say. Well, Is that it, overstating it? No. no. And, no. And, and pulling up to Bramlage, I was like, all right, KU lost. That's what we needed. Just need to beat Texas in your second. Well, that's it. Yeah. Or I guess it would you would have been first place, right? First place in the – is that right? I'm trying to do my math here. Maybe we'll look at the standings. But anyway, you're in a great spot. Well, Texas was 7-3 and, and K-State was 7-2 and two and K-State was 6-3. and three, So no. they'd have been tied. Tied. Yeah. Yep, tied for first place. But yeah. instead, Texas has a game lead at 8-2. and two, Iowa State 7-3. and three, And then you have a four-way tie for third between KU, K-State, Baylor, and TCU. Long way to go. Yeah, a long way to go with Oklahoma State at 5-5. Five and five. West Virginia, Oklahoma State, Texas – or Oklahoma, rather, and Texas Tech have losing records in the conference. I noticed K-State, KU, kind of across the board. They have same record at home, same record away in conference play, same overall record. Same record at home overall. Split. Yeah, split the season. Yeah. Hour two of the of Wildcat Insider will feature K-State Athletics Director Gene Taylor, but up next, your local news.